Hello and welcome to Pearls and Wisdom. There'll be stories about people, life, experience, mental well-being and shooting the breeze with some very interesting people. There may be some swearing so be mindful if there are little ears around. If you want to get in contact send an email to pearlsandwisdom at aol.com or follow the Instagram page at pearlsandwisdom where we'll be posting some of the material we cover in the episodes. Thanks for listening. This episode is about trial by ordeal. It was an ancient judicial practice by which the, the guilt or innocence of the accused was determined by subjecting them to a painful or at least an unpleasant, usually dangerous experience. In medieval Europe, like trial by combat, which you probably know from Game of Thrones, where Tyrion was accused of killing his father and requested a trial by combat and he was able to nominate a champion to fight in his place. A trial by ordeal, such as cruentation, where... If someone was accused of murder, they would bring the accused up to the corpse and if the corpse spontaneously bled, that was a sign that they had the right person and they were promptly put to death. But it was considered a judgment of God, based on the premise that God would help the innocent by performing a miracle on his or her behalf. One that was completely rigged was trial by fire, where the accused would walk a certain distance, usually nine feet, over red hot ploughs or holding a red-hot iron. And usually a priest would check the wounds three days later, and if it had healed, it was said God had intervened. If they were still wounded, they were exiled or put to death. Now, who the hell heals that fast? Well, there were ways around it, because Edward the Confessor, he was King of England, who was killed at the Battle of Hastings in 1066. His mother was accused of adultery with a bishop, and she got out of it, as did some 50 lads who were accused of forest offences as well. So those lads were up to some hijinks. So people would have used some form of trickery to get out of it because there's no way that you can heal that fast going through that kind of an ordeal. Um, Now, priests took part in the judgment of these trials, but it was banned by Pope Innocent III in 1215. He didn't want them taking part in trials by fire and water anymore. Even though God was the central premise to to intervening, he didn't want the church involved in that. So what he was tried to, to bring in was a defendant having to get 12 people to swear that they believed their story. So kind of like what we have now with the jury system. Now, conveniently enough, in England, people who were of good standing were cleared just by taking an oath. But basically, the poor people who didn't come from the right lines had to do ordeals. It was like, fuck the jury, this is more entertaining. And like, in 1498, a reformist Dominican friar in Florence, who said he'd prophetic visions of the apocalypse, requested a trial by fire, hoping God would intervene. Somebody did, because they'd it all set. Suddenly, a pissed-down rain quenched it, and he was hanged. In ancient Persia, the accused would have to pass through fire, or have molten metal poured on his chest. In ancient India, India, they'd be burned at a pyre, and God would protect them if they were innocent. I'd love to know, did none of these people find a bit of a pattern that everyone who ever had trial by fire got fucked? But then again, maybe that was the point. Similarly then with trial by water. One of the early versions was two people trying to fish a stone from a cauldron of boiling water. The accused and the accuser would both have to try it. St. Hyacinth apparently bested someone doing this 
It took him about an hour to do it because the waters were bubbling so ferociously, but when the other person tried, he had the skin boiled off up to his elbow. The better one was when someone was thrown in a river or a lake, usually a woman accused of being a witch. If she floated, it was seen that the devil had intervened, or it was because of the rejection of baptism, and she was hanged. If she sank, she was innocent. They'd try to pull her in before she drowned, but a bit of a risky practice if you didn't pull her in in time. You can imagine the scene with the accuser shouting at the lads holding the rope not to pull her in yet. Some people claimed that they were supernaturally light, witches were supernaturally light, and recommended weighing them as an alternative to dunking them. Bit more humane, but nonetheless equally ridiculous. In the trial by cross, the accuser had to undergo the ordeal together with the accused. They stood on either side of a cross and stretched out their hands horizontally. The first one to lower their arms lost. So that's one for Davy Fitz and Ireland's fittest family. But if you ever find yourself back in the Middle Ages accused of being a prick, go for the trial by sacred morsel. You're given a Eucharist or bread and cheese, and if you choke, you're guilty and dead. If not, it's your typical Friday night. A little less appealing were witch cakes. A bizarre form of counter magic, the witch cake was it was a supernatural dessert used to identify suspected evildoers. In cases of mysterious illness or possession, witch hunters would take a sample of the victim's urine, mix it with rye meal and ashes and bake it into a cake. The stomach-churning concoction was then fed to a dog in the hope that the beast would fall under its spell and reveal the guilty sorcerer, I shit you not, by pointing at him. Now, I wouldn't go for the penalty of the peach, which sounds lovely and fuzzy, but you'd have to eat the pit. That metabolizes into cyanide in your stomach. Puking was the only way to get you in the clear. Trial by prayer was handy. Read a bit from the Bible and away you go. Then again, most poor people were fairly illiterate, so there you go with that one. Or, if you had a stutter. No guarantee though, because during the Salem Witch Trials, there was an accused sorcerer and uh, George Burroughs. He flawlessly recited the Our Father from the gallows just before his execution. The performance was dismissed as a devil's trick and the hanging proceeded as planned. Now the touch test. So the touch test worked on the idea that victims of sorcery would have a special reaction to physical contact with the evildoer. In cases where a possessed person fell into spells or fits, the suspected witch would be brought into the room and asked to lay a hand on them. A non-reaction signalled innocence, but if the victim came out of their fit, it was seen as proof that the suspect had placed them under a spell. Touch, touch tests played a famous part in the 1662 trial of Rose Cullender and Amy Denny. There were two elderly English women charged with bewitching a pair of young girls. The children had been suffering from fits that left their fists clenched so tightly that even a strong man couldn't pry their fingers apart. But early tests showed they could be easily opened whenever Cullender or Denny touched them. To ensure the reaction was genuine, judges had the children blindfolded and touched by other members of the court. The girls unclenched their fists anyway, which suggested they were faking. But even this was not enough to prove the women's innocence. 
Cullender and Denny were both later hanged as witches. Witch hunters often had their suspects stripped and publicly examined for signs of an unsightly blemish that witches were said to receive upon making their pact with Satan. So the devil's mark could supposedly change shape and colour and was believed to be numb and insensitive to pain. Prosecutors might also search for the witch's teeth, an extra nipple allegedly used to suckle the witch's helper animals, usually a dog. In both cases, it was easy for even the most minor physical imperfections to be labelled as the work of the devil himself. Examiners rarely came up empty-handed. Moles, scars, birthmarks, sores, tattoos and third nipples could all qualify, so Chandler Bing would have been fucked. In the midst of witch, ton- witch hunts, desperate villagers will sometimes even burn or cut off any offending marks on their bodies, only to have their wounds labelled as proof of a pact with the devil. An incantations test involved forcing the accused witch to verbally order the devil to let the possessed victim come out of their fit or trance. Other people would also utter the words to act as a control and judges would then gauge whether the statements had any effect on the victim's condition. Yeah, it works great till you realise you can accuse someone and all you have to do is recognise her voice. Charges were used in the 16th century witch trial of a woman called Alice Samuel and her husband and daughter, who were accused of bewitching five girls from wealthy family. During the proceedings, judges forced the Samuels to demand that the devil release the girls from their spell by stating, As I am a witch, so I charge the devil to let her come out of her fit at this present. When the possessed girls immediately recovered, the Samuels are found guilty and all hanged as witches. Now, back to trial by combat. So, you could argue that it's kind of the premise for war as well, since blessing of troops and saying prayers and everything like that, that, well, if God is on our side, he is intervening because we are right. Now, it wasn't as common around the world as you believe. It was limited pretty much to continental Europe. An unusual variant, the marital duel, involved combat between a husband and wife, with the husband physically handicapped in some way and the loser was killed. They could take place as jousts following the taking of oaths against witchcraft and sorcery. Uh, Around 1219, trial by jury replaced trial by ordeal, which had been the, the, the method of proof for crown pleas since 1166. With the emergence of the legal profession of the 13th century, lawyers guarding the safety of the lives and limbs of their clients steered people away from the wager of battle. A number of legal fictions were devised to enable people to to avail themselves of a jury, even in the sort of actions that were traditionally tried by battle or combat. The practice of averting trial by combat led to the modern concept of attorneys representing people. Hired champions were technically illegal, but are obvious in the record. Uh, A 1276 document uh, among a Bishop Swinefield's household records makes the promise to pay one guy an annual retainer fee for acting as champion, with additional money and expenses paid for each fight. 
Now, either combatant could end the fight and lose his case by crying out, you know, I'm broken. But the person who did that, whether you were the accused or the accuser, you were punished with outlawry. So as an outlaw, all legal protection was withdrawn from the criminal so that anyone was legally empowered to persecute persecute or kill them so it was one of the harshest penalties in the legal system fighting continued until one person was either dead or disabled and the last man standing won the case now here's a funny one in America at the time of independence in 1776 trial by combat had not actually been abolished and it has never formally been abolished since The question of whether trial by combat remains a valid alternative to civil action has been argued to remain open, at least in theory. In one case in 1983, the Delaware court rejected the defendant's request for trial by combat to the death on the grounds that duelling was illegal. In 2020, a man named David Ostrom, he requested trial by combat as well, in response to a custody and property dispute with his ex-wife over with her kids. Following his request by for trial by combat, he was court-ordered to be administered a sanity test and he was temporarily restricted from parenting rights with his kids. So there are some of the, the weird ways uh, in the early medieval judici- judicial system that people were expected to prove their innocence or an accuser was expected to prove to prove guilt makes total sense so I'll leave you with this Robert Frost the poet he said a jury consists of 12 persons chosen to decide who is the better lawyer good luck and that's it because of my own anxiety issues reading comments about how it is would send me into overdrive so please I would ask that you leave no reviews at all But if you do want to get in contact, please send an email to pearlsandwisdom at aol.com or follow the Instagram page at pearlsandwisdom, where we'll be posting some of the material we cover in the episodes. Stay safe, stay happy, chat soon.